Ho, ho, ho. Merry, Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. I am Santa Claus, as you call me in modern age society, yes. And I am Mrs. Claus, as you call me. <laughs> Little do you know that I am in fact a deity that people would sacrifice their children to. The devil? Yes, some call me the devil. Some call me Saint Nick. I have other names. No wonder Satan and Santa are spelled the same. Yes. I always knew there was something devilish about you. Bring me your children. All I wanted to do was give gifts to the little kids around the world. Yes, and you are now my servant. And now I'm stuck in this horrible marriage. Bring me all the children of this world. I will consume them with my fire. I am Moloch. I am Krampus. I am Saint Nick. I am Nikolai. I am Nicholas. I am many names. I am immortal. I am ever-present. I know when you are sleeping. I know when you are awake. I am everywhere. And I will never leave this earth. And we're coming down your chimney tonight. Balls in my face. 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 Balls in your face. Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Oh, you crazy. You want to be crazy? I'll tell you crazy. Listen, I don't know about these other guys, but we are like a superhero. No? We're like, we're not crazy. Everybody knows you never go full retard. Muhammad is the most commonly used name on earth. Read a fucking book for one. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. Picasso is dead. Walt Disney is dead. I'm dead. Steve Jobs is dead. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Welcome to the Mentally Gone Podcast. Okay. Two, three, and... Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back, back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we're starting? Oh. <laughs> I love when you do that. Welcome Master back. improviser Welcome right back. there. And we're still going. Keep it rolling. Welcome back. Mentally Gone Podcast, episode number 35. 35. And with that being said. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Callie Lacerda. And I am Mrs. Claus today. I am. Or Gabriella Lopes. I am Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. Which is the German pronunciation for Santa Claus. Is that that holiday that Dwight celebrates? Yeah, Krampus. <laughs> Krampus beats you with sticks. We're going to get into that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, what, is, what does he call it again? What's his little holiday called? Yeah, Google that real quick. Uh, first and foremost, guys, while she's Googling, um, I just want to thank everybody for the patience it's been over a month since we have posted a video podcast, but here we are now on the big screen, in your home theater, in your $4 million mansion, and I hope you guys are doing well. Belschnickel. 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 Bel have no fear. Belschnickel is here. <laughs> no fear. <clears throat> Belschnickel is here. Yeah, guys, so this episode is going to be dedicated to... Um, Moloch, uh, 
who is the uh, supreme deity, aka also known as Santa Claus through the ages. Hold your bulls forward. Forward. The Schnickel will decide if you are impish or admirable. Oh, it's like oh, impish. impish or admirable. Have you been impish or, or admirable? Ad- and then he goes, <clears throat> impish. Boom. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to play that on YouTube, but um, I'm going to try to get around it. But if not, then you are, then I have skipped and cut out that part and you are listening to us describe what Dwight says. Yeah, he just says, are you impish or, or admirable. admirable? Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I think Callie is impish. Have you guys, uh, do you guys celebrate Christmas? Do you guys, um, do you guys like the holiday? Is Monica. it a tradition in your home? No, Christmas. I don't care about Hanukkah. I'm talking about Christmas today. Uh, Do you guys enjoy Christmas? Is it something that you've always celebrated? Uh, Do you understand the the deep connotations of Christmas that date back to ancient Babylonian times? And when did you find out that Santa Claus was not real? Yeah. When did your parents break the news to you? I think I was like... I I think I remember... Pretty vividly, actually, when the PS2 first came out, I wanted the PS2 obviously very badly. And my mom, being a single mother who worked her ass off to try to provide for me and my sister, she did the best she could every Christmas. And I remember waking up on Christmas Day, and that year had been particularly difficult financially for my mom, and she didn't put any presents under the tree. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up like excited to like go look at the tree because I still believed in Santa. And when I got to the tree, there was nothing in there, like nothing under it, nothing around it. And then I got super upset. Why do you look like you're about to cry? Oh, that's so sad. And then I got super upset. And but I didn't show it, though, because I was very understanding ever since a young age. Like my mom can can attest to that. I was never those kids who would like complain and like bitch Throw and stuff. Throw a tantrum yeah. over. Well, you did because she told me, but. Younger cer- though, younger. Yeah, yeah. But at this age, like at like nine, ten years old, I already began understanding like our current situation. And so I would didn't like do that because I didn't want my mom to feel bad. And so I just like quietly said like, oh, no, it's OK. It's whatever, you know. And I made this like huge Christmas list to like Santa's like filled with a bunch of expensive stuff. And one of the main items was a PS2. And then, and then, and then what she did was, which was pretty clever, actually. Uh, she waited until I went to my room and then she quickly got an envelope, filled it with like 200 bucks, which, which I think was the price of the PS2. And she like stuck it inside of the tree, like deep inside of it. And then she called me and said like, wait, but have you checked inside of the tree or whatever? Because I was like super bummed out. And then I was like, no, like, he, like, that's not how it works. Like, he wouldn't put anything inside of the tree or whatever. Aww. And then she kept telling me, like, check, check, who knows? And then I went and, like, check and, like, stuck my hand in there. And then I found the envelope filled with cash. And I was like, holy fucking shit, this is crazy. And then on it, like, she cri- quickly just, like, scribbled, like, from Santa uh, to Cali. And it was just, like, and then that made my my Christmas but at the same time it also like started planting seeds of doubt you know yeah of like santa claus wouldn't do this like he would come prepared you know and and i deliberately tried my best to be a a good boy that year you know like i tried Mm. to like do the best i could stop you're giving me cry 
and then and then I made this large list, and then nothing was fulfilled, and then and then I was like, ah, it's all, it's all right. Oh my god! I was always like understanding as I grew, which is funny. Guys, are you crying over there? Because which is funny because um because of what I told you before, you know, like my mom would work a lot, and so we were kind of like raised by like babysitters. And then at certain times, like babysitters would like go home at a certain time or or they had to leave. And I would just be in charge of my sister. Yeah. Who was like a newborn, you know, like super young. So I was always like had to adult at like from a very young age. And so I never really had like a childhood. That's crazy. Which is why I like gaming nowadays. Now that I have the freedom as an adult to like choose what I want to do with my life. Now you could be a big kid. Yeah, I could be a big kid. I can uh, rejoice and just have some much needed nostalgia at times to cure my inner child. I am not in my 20s. Like mentally, I'm still. Yeah. I'm still 12. Yeah, mentally, I'm still like, nah. I would say that mentally, I'm like pretty old mentally i'm still 12 like i i still want to spend my time (laughs) doing kid stuff yeah just a baby (laughs) like i'm just i'm literally a big kid you know like i i have fun playing little games (laughs) yeah it doesn't take much to make me happy it don't take much man i don't stay mad for long hello so literally a child anyways um, I was going to say that I had a Christmas once just to really quickly before we jump into all the juicy stuff that you guys are really here for and not our boring personal lives. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, but, um, I, I had a story once where my, well, we celebrated it with like my dad's family on Christmas Eve, which we were in like an apartment in Newark and we just lived on the second story and then my dad's family lived on the first story. Dork. And then, uh, what do you call it? Um, we didn't see any Christmas presents under the tree either. Oh no! And we were we were like, what the heck? Like, and usually, hey, my like my dad's family, like uh, they would always go all out. Like that's their way of like showing love sometimes it's like it's like presents and gift giving it's gift giving it's like always you know giving you what you need what you asked for whatever Mm -hmm. they've always been like that um so it's funny but we didn't see any presents and we were like what the heck like every year whenever they were downstairs like eating dinner in the basement like we would sneak up and like shake the boxes <laughs> and whatever else and feel like is it clothes is it or yeah. is it is what it, i wanted <laughs> is it socks again <laughs> like is this clothes like you could tell when it was clothes because yeah. it was like soft feeling like squishy um but we didn't see any presents that year when we went up and we were like what the heck but then after the after dinner, when they came up, they were like, oh, maybe you guys should like check the balcony because we had like a little porch <laughs> yeah. on the backside of the apartment. And we were like, what? Like, no, he always, you know, leaves right. it under the tree. <laughs> oh, whatever. Like, that's stupid. Oh, he would leave it here. Yeah. But I, I, I remember that I literally ran and I saw all the gifts and I was like, whoa. Like, I was so happy. I was like, look, it's all here. That's a typical adult <laughs> move. Like an adult who forgot that it's Christmas or who forgot to get presents. You know, it's always like, oh, but 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 you don't know. Maybe Santa left it in the bathroom. Who knows? 
Well, and then yeah. they just sneak it like real quick, you know. <laughs> no, but they had it planned out. I guess, oh, like, they yeah, did. they did. Oh, so they, they had, wanted to fake you guys out. I think maybe they started. A, I don't know if they started to realize that we were not believing in Santa. Maybe mm-hmm. especially my brother, because he was he was already like three years older than me, and I don't even remember how old I was at this time. Yeah, but I think that maybe they wanted to try to play up the whole Santa Claus just mm. a little bit longer. And so they played the whole like, oh, well, we don't have a chimney. So he had to leave it on the porch. Oh, shit. You know? And then it's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, house is house. He flew by with his reindeer. And he just like dropped it, airdropped it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what that made me think about? (laughs) Is um, I don't know how many of you guys listening to this and watching this come from an immigrant background, but my mom is Brazilian and she, she has never been Americanized. You know, like she has never really. Uh, bought into like American culture and she still like holds the Brazilian roots as like true as she can to herself so like that's who she is Um, and what's what's funny to me is that the Americanized parents and the American parents they put a lot of effort into sustaining that narrative of like the Easter Bunny the Tooth Fairy Santa Claus and they do a lot of work and put a lot of effort, just like you said, about your dad's parents and your dad's family. Like they thought it out, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like we don't have a chimney, so we're going to do it on the balcony because then they'll believe it. But my point being is that like I vividly remember when when <laughs> when my teeth started coming out mm-hmm. and just falling out. And then I just um, started putting them under my pillow. And then I started hoping that in the morning I would wake up to like a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, twenty dollars, some type of money. Yeah. And then the first few times, because my mom isn't well, um, well versed in like well versed in these cultures, uh, she didn't know what to do. And so I would put my like tooth a few times, like like I, I did like maybe two or three times, and I it like the tooth fairy wouldn't visit me. And then I would wake up like super bummed out because all my friends at school would say that, hey, like uh, the tooth fairy visited me l- like last night, l- left me a dollar, whatever. And then I would always be like, oh, like I tried, but they like never whatever, you know. And then and then I think I told my mom because I was like complaining to her. I was like, like, I don't know why the tooth fairy whatever. And and then I had to explain to her what the tooth fairy was because she kept asking me these questions. And then it wasn't until then that she, you know, put understood it, yeah. it mm-hmm. put put two and two together. And then she started leaving like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, even twenty dollars, even one time. And then that's when like it started working it was after I told her. But it's funny, though, because like my point is immigrant parents work so much. Yeah. Because like my mom <laughs> worked her whole life like she never had childhood, even when living in Brazil. And so she was always just working, working, working 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day, like you name it, uh, 80 hours a week, 100 hours a uh, week, single mother trying to raise kids, you know. And so she didn't have time to like be a mom, basically, you know. And then that's why she would hire babysitters to like look after us and stuff so so that she could work. And so I just think it's interesting. And I don't know how many people listening to this or watching this can relate, you know, especially if you come from an immigrant background, yeah. parents from you know brazil portugal venezuela like 
wherever it is, Ecuador. And how crazy is it that Mexico. you you were like raised by babysitters? Like you jumped from like babysitter to babysitter. Like every, anytime you moved and you know whatever. Yeah. And my mom has actually been a babysitter. Right. For her whole life, like well, not her whole life, but for the past like twenty five plus mm. years like why like it's already been a while like since essentially since i was born right so it's pretty crazy to think about like what a small world and you were on my my dad's, dad's. soccer team yeah as like a little nine or ten year old at the time right with my brother such yeah. a small world which i'm pretty sure that i like i remember that and I remember it being like very brief because I hated being a goalie. Yeah. He said if it was you, then if you are the one he's thinking about, then you were pretty awful. Yeah, I was pretty bad. <laughs> um, and and I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't know if this makes sense, too. But if you are listening and watching and you also experience this, but I used to move around a lot, just like you said. So I never really had like a stable environment. So it would be like moving around every like move to Philadelphia for six months and then develop friendships, start, you know, getting used to being accepted at the schools, being accepted in friend groups, establishing friendships and then just yanked and just swapped out, you know. So and then and then I would move to like North Carolina, I think it was North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina, Philadelphia, just like hopping around places like place to place. And I think that this instability is beneficial because it just forces you to kind of just just act differently if that makes sense so it's not the same as someone who grew up in the same town th their whole lives around the same people their whole lives me i feel like i was always forced to be a good communicator and that's why i feel like i gravitate towards podcasting and towards expressing ideas because i was always required in order to survive quote unquote in a social setting, I was always required to convey my thoughts and ideas in a way that would maybe resonate with people because it was just like I was dealing with so many different people all the time. So I was forced to be social. And I think that that's a benefit because because a lot of people just get comfortable. And so like they grow like grow up in a town and no new friends mentality, you know, like yeah. this is my friend group forever and I don't want to be friends with anybody else. And I feel like it added to my character. I feel like that added to my character when dealing with people but then there's the negative connotations as well of like being raised by babysitters and not really having much time with my mom because she was always working i feel like that made me more prone to kind of not developing emotional like attachments deeper deeper connections yeah, like deeper connections not only with my own mom but also it would reflect with like other people so it was always like fear of developing that and then having it get taken away from you yeah you know so i feel like that's interesting yeah i'm the person that you described like that grew i grew up in I, one place i grew up i was born literally in newark and lived in newark yeah the same house for 20 years newark which is pretty wild and honestly like i'm i i honestly really appreciate it because for me like it that that was my hometown like i couldn't imagine there were times that my mom would always t like talk about getting a house and whatever like mm -hmm. while me and my brother were in high school but she the the only reason my parents only moved out of newark recently 
for the most part is because like throughout our school years they sacrificed not moving so that we would keep our friendships yeah my mom was not like that so so like they literally they took that into account like we wanted to graduate with the class that we were with we want we wanted to stay with the friends that we had right and so that's why we stayed you know why it didn't like happen sooner for them too i think and they to like an extent of it that was an extent of it because they always talked about it yeah they would always be like maybe we should move and they would look at houses sometimes and then never happen because it was like i don't want to move you know like yeah <laughs> i want to stay of my here friends or whatever yeah yeah so i do appreciate that because you know and i feel like another immigrant trait is this idea of like improvising a lot mm. which is what my mom does like yeah. like she operates off the cuff like almost all the, the time yeah. yeah almost all the time like so so th so there's no planning there's no um <laughs> there there's no like premeditation at all like you just jump head first into something and just hope for the best and you figure it out as you go which is a trait that i think i've i've um inherited from her mm -hmm. which is this idea of like if there's a problem then let's try to solve it like what are the possible ways of solving it because like there's no use of complaining and crying about it because nobody's going to come to help you and i feel like that's what she did you know at like at, like at, like as a single mother like raising both of us like she didn't have my dad to rely on she didn't have cindy's dad to rely on so it was always that idea of like you have to figure it out yeah. and there's always a way like there's always uh in, in ability to do something you know because i remember one time i think it was around christmas too which was also pretty rough but she had a few clothing stores in jersey and she was doing relatively well for like up until a certain point but then with the 2008 crash um you know everything went to shit. her main clientele who were brazilians they moved away back to brazil because the economy was just horrible and so her business just started plummeting mm -hmm. and then she had to file bankruptcy eventually but it was around that time where it was just like hitting rock bottom that i remember vividly like one of her stores had this um basement area where it was being used for like storage and it was like this like dark dusty basement i think i think it had like rats and stuff and <laughs> just like shit like that yeah but she like because her lease for that location was still active but it was also like coming to an end very soon uh we had lost the apartment that day and then i think we had gotten evicted and so her only solution, again, just like improvising, like not knowing what to do, was to head back to one of those stores and then try to sleep in it. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't want to talk anymore because like I'm going to get emotional. And I don't want to. But yeah. So my point is like, I don't want every episode to be like a Debbie Downer. But like my my point is that it's just interesting because like that adds to your character, you know? No, your yeah. your mom is definitely like that. Like whenever, whenever things get hard or go south, like she oh, like she always always makes the most of it. Like she'll yeah. turn it around and she'll be like, no, like there's if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, and she's like that, which is like super admirable. One thing that I would always admire too is the fact that if I really wanted something, just like the PS2, she would do her best. To like try to make it happen 
and it would take like a long time sometimes even if things were tight and it was like right. nearly impossible she yeah that's and 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 to this day she's like that yeah yeah like to this day like she she always tries to make it work and one example was another christmas and and again like this is a christmas episode but one other example was a christmas when the nintendo wii came out which ironically is sitting right over there because um she she sent it back to me my my old wii and it actually still works and so it's interesting but all my friends from school had gotten the new nintendo wii and it was all the rave you know like everybody was talking about it um, I was watching like YouTube videos of like games that were coming out for a gameplay. I was like obsessed with it, like obsessed, obsessed. And to me, it was like next level and futuristic. It's like you have the fucking motion controllers and I've never seen that before in my life. You could bowl, like like do bowling, boxing. It yeah, was crazy. Yeah, a little sensor thing on top. Yeah, wild. And then my point is that that Christmas, I just like really made it uh, obvious that I, that I really wanted a Wii. But the Wii at the time was like 300, 400 bucks, brand new. And it was insane. Like the price was insane. You couldn't find it anywhere. But my point is that it took her, I think, two years after that to finally get me a Wii. But she got me a Wii because mm. like she started like saving up for it, you know. And I feel like there's like a lesson there. It's like you, you have to do like don't spoil your kids per se, but you have to like show them that things are possible to be acquired, you know. And I feel like. It, a good parent shows that things are acquired through hard work versus portraying that, oh, yeah, dad's rich. You know, yeah, like, yeah. dad's got it. Uh, just swipe dad's card and no, everything yeah. works. Like, I, every door in the world opens for you, you know? I definitely didn't didn't have that either. But, I like, I've always known how hard my parents work. Yeah, Especially same. my dad, like, waking, like, you... For the past, I don't even know how long he's been waking up at 4 a.m. Right. Every day yeah. and going to sleep at 9 p.m. so that he could wake up in time for work. Just so he could provide for everybody. And there were days that I would like look outside and I would see it's pouring and he would be out there working. And I'd be like, yeah. he's working in this. Like I would I would be like shocked and like ask my mom, like he's working today with this weather. And she'd be like, yeah, he yeah. has to work. Like it sucks. It's crazy and and it's crazy like even now he's outside working in the freezing cold you know um but yeah like i i really appreciate i'll always appreciate my upbringing i wouldn't have wanted to be a spoiled kid me neither you know i wouldn't have wanted and 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 i say that but my parents also got us whenever we wanted something they always made it work too right you know, they always like DSs, whatever they would get it for us. Yeah, same. Especially like you said, when it was like all the rave and like that's the one thing that you would talk about or whatever. Yeah. All the kids had it. Then, you know, then that's what parents do. It's like when they, you know, want to see you happy. Yeah. So it's pretty, yeah, it's crazy. So the first half of this episode was just <laughs> reflecting on the positive aspects of Christmas. Yeah. And we wanted to do that because now it's going to take a dark turn. Yeah, but really quick, is it really positive when there's so much stress yeah. to spend money? You know, because looking back, you know, like obviously now as an adult, when I look back, all I all I really appreciate because I can't even remember ninety percent of those gifts now. Mm -hmm. All I really appreciate is 
is is the way that I've spent it with my family every year. Right, right. You know, like we would have dinner, me and my cousin and my brother would watch a Christmas movie on Christmas Eve, you know? Yeah. And that's that to me is like what I'll always cherish forever. Like I don't even I can't even remember the stupid clothes I wanted in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't even I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, to me it's a similar thing. Um, I don't really, I don't know, but because to me, it kind of goes back to what I just said about how my family was like, I never really had like a close knit family, Yeah. you know, but the Christmases that I do remember were the ones where we would do like secret Santa and it was just like a huge, like the whole family was still united in Brazil and then everybody would do their best. That's nice. It was fun because a lot of my relatives were very funny people. And so like they would give like joking gifts, you yeah, know, yeah. and just like do those like um, pranks and shit where you would put a box inside of a box inside of a box. So like mm. it was always like fun and entertaining because of certain characters within my family. But then as the family dynamics started shifting and, and everybody started just, you know, going their own separate ways and hating each other, then it just all went to shit. But when it was still up and running, even though I received like t-shirts, you know, like five Heao t-shirts, uh, 20 reais, which is the currency in Brazil, t-shirts and just very cheap gifts because my family doesn't come for money. So they couldn't really afford good gifts at all. And everything was just very budgeted, you know, like it was just budget gifts. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, like this, this funny cup and this funny mug with this saying on it was like, so it was always like thought the thought that mattered, which which I appreciated, you know, because it again, like it never revolved around gift giving per se, like gift giving expensive stuff. And then that drastically changed right in 2016 when when we came back from Brazil, when we moved back from Brazil and I witnessed firsthand how my family here uh, celebrates Christmas and it's going to the mall, it's going to Michael Kors, it's getting like $100 gifts, $200 gifts because you want to show off and flaunt, it's getting someone like a MacBook Pro, it's like making sure, so it's it's like competing to see who gives yeah. the best gifts and like, I don't like that. Which mom among my aunts and my mom gave their kids the best gift and it was just very disgusting. Like I, like I find it disgusting and yeah. I don't like to partake in that. And because I don't think that that's what Christmas is about, you know, but ironically in America, it's a pagan holiday that celebrates consumerism. And now we're going to talk about it more. Yeah. This pagan holiday. It's pagan holiday. So before you, we ran on and on and then yeah. people are like, all right, where's the conspiracies? I came here for the conspiracy, <laughs> sir. Sir, could you point me to the nearest conspiracy? Spare conspiracy, please. Yes. I don't I don't like this podcast anymore, guys, because you guys don't even talk about conspiracies. Yeah, just wait. Wait like 30 minutes. <laughs> gotta wait, man. You gotta just relax. Relax, dude. Go ahead. You, you want me to start? Yeah. All right, guys. So I took some notes down. Um, I wrote this myself. Everything that you're about to hear was written by me in my handwriting and my language. I just like to write notes down so that I can better remember them. And I may read off a few of my notes, but I'm going to try to um, tr try to expand on each bullet point. Not each bullet point, but every other bullet point. Ready? So I don't know how many of you guys know, but Christmas has a very dark occult and 
in some cultures, satanic origin. Mm-hmm. The ancient Moabites would celebrate a public mass involving a public child sacrifice during the winter solstice and during December 25th. Parents would compile long lists of wishes that contained the things they would like to see within the next year. And if you think about what we do now, what kids are taught to do is write a Christmas list, mm-hmm. a Dear Santa letter. Oh yeah, wish list every year. Wish list and Santa letter. Communicating with this deity and telling it what they want to receive. Can I quickly explain who the Moabites were? Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Moabites, well, in the Bible, right, there is Lot. His name is Lot, and he is the nephew of Abraham. And his daughters get him drunk, intoxicated, and they impregnate themselves with their father's children. Whoa. One of them named Moab. And Moab ends up being the the king of the Moabites. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. And then that's why Moabites are the Moabites. Huh. Yeah. So just a little backstory. So the Moabites already have a very <laughs> strange origin there. So Christmas comes from incest. Yes. Um, that's the lesson here. <laughs> uh, okay. So parents would compile long wish lists of things they would like to see within the next year, right? They would then bring the infants that were born within that year to their idol of worship that they would call Moloch. Mm. Does that name sound familiar to you guys? Yes, and and I wanted to say Moloch, there's another biblical figure. They they call him, I don't want to pronounce this wrong, che, Chemosh. I think I've heard of that, yeah. Chemosh is just another name for Moloch. So anytime there's uh, stories about che, Chemosh, in the Bible or wherever you're reading about Chemosh, that's just another reference to the the satanic god Moloch. Moloch, Moloch, I don't know how to say his name. Which a lot of people need to understand that nomenclature when it comes to the occult is irrelevant because like that's the whole point of the occult is that they want to deceive and mislead and distract. So people keep like nitpicking like, oh no, like Moloch is this, oh no, that's not what Lucifer is. That's not what Baphomet is. A lot of these deities and and beings and just spiritual energies and just these beings of darkness, they are often infinite and their names change throughout time and cultures and just um, society in general. And so it's important to keep that in mind, that one Moloch, because there's also Moloch, the owl god, that's worshipped at the Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. And ironically, well, not ironically, but coincidentally at the Bohemian Grove, they also do a mock ceremony that mimics a sacrifice, a human sacrifice, mm-hmm. which Alex Jones, who infiltrated the Bohemian Grove uh, a few years back, he filmed it. Exposed. And exposed it and caught it on camera. And you would hear cries that sounded like a child crying. So then you have here what I just said about these Moabites worshiping this idol called Moloch, right? And so they would bring these infants to Moloch. Um, 
And the ceremonial priests would set the statue of Moloch on fire, which is exactly what they do at the Bohemian Grove today. They set the big owl god statue on fire. Mm-hmm. There's the Burning Man, right, which is the festival, on, on fire, which to the northern people of ancient times represented the main source of life within nature. Because considering the fact that they would go days without any sunlight, for the worshipers of nature, fire was in and of itself a deity, mm. right? Because it's all consuming. It it, it it creates life and destroys life, you know? It's, a, it's alive, quite yeah. literally. It's something that's alive. So fire has always been very important among the occult, and it's very symbolic. So it's very important for you guys to do some homework on fire and just really try to understand like what it signifies for different cultures and people. So the parents would bring their screaming infants to Moloch and place them on his flaming lap. What do parents do today when they go to take their kids, their infants, their newborns to take a picture with? Santa right on his lap. And how many pictures have you seen of kids crying and bawling their eyes out? Yes, screaming, screaming. In fear, fear, like mortal fear for their lives. Like they're fearful of this being who isn't necessarily evil you know like let's say that your grandpa does a part-time job on during holidays plays like play santa you know like and he's a great guy i bet he's a great guy he's not evil at all but maybe kids know deep down inside in like an instinctual dna level they know any depiction they yeah like they know what this thing represents like what santa represents the image of this thing because of so many hundreds of thousands of years of just experiencing that you know and i think that if anyone can read energies it's dogs and kids yeah and shadow surely doesn't like that dancing santa that we have right isn't that crazy (laughs) he does not like that i don't know if it's because it dances or (laughs) it's probably because it dances (laughs) but still like isn't that crazy you know yeah um so here's where it gets even more interesting moloch wore the same Phrygian hat that Santa Claus wears today. It is also the same cap worn by Mithra, the god of light and the light bearer of the ancients. A modern parallel would be the fallen angel Lucifer. Again, it's very, it's always interchangeable, these names. Like, don't get caught up on, caught up on nomenclature because these beings are infinite. They're ever-changing. They're everlasting. They're, they're, they're deceitful, you know, like their whole goal is to deceive and to, you know, obfuscate the truth, essentially. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is crazy to me is the fact that the bulk of this tradition still carries over into modern day practices. Parents take their infants to meet Santa Claus, to take pictures. And most of the time, the youngest one is always crying. So if you consider the fact that kids have a keen sensibility to darkness and demonic forces, they may sense the evil nature of Santa Claus as a representation of ancient dark forces at play. Mm. Parents bring their children to sit on Santa's lap. Yeah. So the only switch and change really is that now kids are being taught to uh, express their wishes. And I don't know like what the meaning of that is because it's not the parents expressing the wishes anymore. It's the kids. Do you have anything to say? Um, I, yeah, I did want to say, I, I did hear something that, well, well, not hear something. I was reading obviously up on all of this, but I read, I didn't write it down because I didn't know how much it would contribute, but 
there were there were you know like how shamans are are seen as like spiritual people who are like connected and can yeah, speak yeah. to you know higher beings or whatever else mm. they believed that so part of the part of the um holiday too that i read about like christmas and the way it was celebrated with these shamans for example mm-hmm. is that people would deliver wishes for for the world type of thing like what what some desires that they wanted to for the betterment of the world mm-hmm. and these shamans would deliver that message huh. to, to those to the higher beings i guess <clears throat> So I don't know if it's connected to that, like to the pagans, you know, or whatever. I don't know, like how much of it is similar, but maybe it was the same thing. Like, uh, like when we saw Vikings, we would see that they would make wishes to the gods and then seer. Yeah. And then with the wish, they would make a sacrifice so that, you know, it was like a, a trade off type of thing. Right. And every ancient culture has always had a bridge. A, a portal slash gatekeeper that would communicate with the other side. Mm. So in Norse mythology, we had the seer. In Greek mythology, we had the oracle. And so in modern day ayahuasca ceremony mythology culture, you have the shamans. So these shamanic beings who um, have access to portals that communicate with mother nature and with, you know, higher right, beings. Right. So it is interesting, yeah. And I think that because I think that everything kind of derives from these ancient cultures. I don't think I'm of the firm, firm belief that there are no such thing that there is no such thing as original ideas. Mm-hmm. I think that everything is borrowed from something and then you mesh two ideas together and you create a hybrid idea. But a new idea does not exist. Yeah, like a brand new a idea. Brand yeah. new, like everything that you can imagine, I feel like has already it, been thought of. It's connected. Everything's everything has like a trail that you can trace back right. to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did want to say one last thing about the Moabites. Yeah. Um, so there's actually a Moabite stone and it's called the Mesha steel. 
mm-hmm. Mesha Stele or Steel, I don't know. But Mesha, I think, was the king of the Moabites at mm-hmm. one point. And on this stone, it was the first ever inscription, uh, Canaanite, I think it was like a religion that worshipped the the uh, deity Baal. Oh, shit. And it was the first ever Canaanite inscription found with the name Balak mentioned on the stone. Wow. When, and this ties with Balaam or Baal. As we know, Baal is just another word for the devil. It's a false god. Anyways, on top of that, this king of Moab, Mesha, mentions Chemosh on the stone, which is the Moloch um, figure that you, you were talking about. He mentions Chemosh on the stone, crediting this supreme God. So they considered this God, the one that you talked about, like making sacrifices to and all that and sitting their children on his flaming lap and whatever else. They considered him their supreme God of the Moabites. And he credits this God for their victory over the Israelites. Wow. On this stone. And this is a real stone, by the way. So so this proves that the Moabites isn't just something in the Bible or whatever. Like this was an actual stone found that was, you know, right. And Chemosh actually translates to destroyer, subduer and even fish God. I don't know what the fish part has to do with it, but like slippery it's just crazy that it it literally means destroyer and subduer which is the devil like that's what we associate when talking about the devil for example that's wild yeah and if you want to watch our episode where where we kind of like broke down the meaning behind Baal Lenciaga yeah and how Baal Lenciaga the Latin uh written form translates to something about Baal, like Baal is king. Baal is, yeah, Baal is lord or Baal is king. Yeah, and then if you take out the Baal part and just leave NC space Aga, you get act like an angel. That's really great. And and you know how I talked about Paradise Lost? Yeah. The, when we were talking about it, I do have one last thing about the Moabites. And this is in John Milton's Paradise Lost again. And in this passage, he's talking about false gods and he refers to Chemosh. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm saying the name wrong. The God whom the Israelites worshipped with lustful orgies and wanton rites. So the way that they would worship this God, Chemosh, would be by having orgies. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, sacrifices too. But then look, and then... They referred to Chemosh as the obscene dread of Moab's sons. And then Milton also mentions King Josiah, who drove them thence to hell by abolishing the practice of Chemosh worship in Israel. So, in other words, oh, and oh, this last part, and and Chemosh is in, like, even in the book, is referred to being a deity similar to Baal. And there is also evidence both from the Moabite stone and from scripture that Chemosh may have been the same deity as the Ammonite Moloch. So I, I have it quoted there. Damn. And it's and it's referenced in the Bible. That's crazy. It's super weird. So for those of you who, you know, often say like, oh, like these conspiracies are getting out of hand. This is crazy. That's no. that's a reach, far fetched. We're not saying that the Bible is the truth. 
because we all know that that's not the case, right? We all know that nobody knows anything mm. or at least nobody knows everything, I think is the better wording for that. But at the same time, like you have to consider these connections, you know, like it's written on a piece of stone and then a it's real referenced in the Bible. And then you have to understand, like maybe the stone was dated way before the Bible was even written. So like, you know, like there's these things that you got to take into account. But um, so real quick too, what's mind blowing to me and what I found interesting is that when kids during Christmas specifically, like, like leading up to Christmas, when they're good, they receive Presents. Presents. And when they're bad, they receive coal. Lumps of coal. Wow. How like what do you use to fuel a fire, a flame? Wow. Lumps of coal. I never understood why it was coal. Right, because the lumps of coal are reminiscent of the blazing sacrificial flames of Moloch. And it, and that that's, that's so fucked up, dude. That's so crazy. so crazy. Like that part blew my mind because I was like, again, like if you start connecting things, it it all makes sense because it's all connected, man. It's all connected, man. It, you gotta connect it, dude. It can't be a reach at that point because why coal of all things? Right, lumps of coal, flames, flaming hell. Flames, like you're gonna sacrifices, burn in hell. coal. Yeah. Hello. Tell your infant child. Give your infant three-year-old kid who or five-year-old kid who failed his classes or or who's misbehaving in school like what would you do back in the moabites days you know like you would throw him in the fucking flame dude it's like you are my least favorite son you shall be sacrificed to moloch <laughs> and that's it like literally like that's yeah. it because you are my least favorite you produced the less amount of work or field work in farming and so you're you know or you were born with birth effects or something like that and throw you in the flame which is wild another interesting thing is that santa is also known obviously for flying on a chariot mm -hmm. similar to mithra sol invictus and odin odin's son um and then like there are like you know these um side by side comparisons of like all all these deities these ancient deities again it's it's like repetition it's changing it all, like changing it up a little bit, making it your own. But it, but but the core source material and the core elements and characteristics remain the same. Um, real quick, and and we're just starting to head into the juicy, crazy part, which I want to really emphasize here. But Santa is identified as an elf in most of the world, which people don't really know that with the Celts believing that the elves were witches and wizards identified by their pointy and Phrygian caps. Mm. You know how elves yeah, have, yeah. have these caps? Elves were known as the teachers of the dark arts. Webster's Dictionary describes an elf as a wandering spirit, a fairy, a hobgoblin, an evil spirit, and a devil. This is literally the Webster's Dictionary definition of an elf. That's crazy. Helena Blavatsky, a New Age guru and known Satanist occultist, states that the elves are disembodied spirits used in dark magic and sorcery, and they're known as the principal agents in seances. So in like magical, dark magic rituals. Yeah, yeah. And here's where it starts heating up a little bit. In places like Austria, Hungary... Germany and Italy, for example, Santa Claus is identified by his real name, which is Sinter 
Claws. Center Claws. Spelt S I N T E R K L A A S. Center Claws. Might as well be Sinister Claws. Yeah, Sinner Claws. <laughs> Some pre modern representations of Center Claws show the gift giving deity riding on the back of a horned goat. Literally, like there are ancient depictions of Center Claws, aka Santa Claus, riding on the back of the beast. Crazy. The horned goat. Um, and sticking with this horned goat, right? It gets even worse. He is always surrounded and accompanied by dark helpers called the Krampus, a half goat, half man demon that goes with Sinterklaas from house to house during Christmas. And there are multiple like old depictions and drawings and paintings of this being. And it's literally the classic representation of the devil, you know, like this red half man half goat horned figure scary looking and Claus was christianized as a saint by the name of nicholas right mm -hmm. and then you have saint nick which the catholic church uh, claims to be an actual saint and they even stand behind the fact stating that um this was an actual saint that once lived but pe when people did further research and digging they found that there is there there never was any saint by the name of nick Hmm. ever in the history of the catholic church and so why would they lie about that and why and why would they christianize this deity and like make them make it their own um if you had been good this deity would leave gifts under the sacred tree the evergreen tree but if you had been bad he would order his demons the krampus to either abduct you or beat you with sticks some cultures dropped the idea of Claus completely and only kept the demonic idea of Krampus. So like why like why would they do that, right? Making Santa Claus in some cultures to literally represent Satan himself. So in some cultures you see a demonic being around children and basically like gift giving and also punishing, so being good and bad. And then currently? you have in some cultures, well, I don't know if currently only only the Krampus, but maybe. That's crazy. But but like this evil demonic force is doing both good and bad, which represents duality, which is what the Masons and, and the Freemasons, you know, and the occultists, they really love that idea is that there is no good or bad. There is only duality. Mm -hmm. There's black and white, you know, right. yin and yang. But what's interesting is that the other mighty goat headed being slash deity that we know of today is the one that's worshipped by the Church of Satan, hmm. who's known as? Um... Baphomet. Baphomet. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was I was forgetting the name. So Baphomet is the same concept. It's like mm -hmm. a half goat, half man being, right? So it's very similar to Krampus. And so when you begin to like connect these dots, and you begin to understand that these similarities are anything but coincidences, especially when it comes to age old traditions, you understand that these ideas are immortalized within human society. Mm -hmm. And they just change and tweak them from culture to culture right. to better um, adapt to the the current beliefs and the current, you know, uh, values of that current zeitgeist, you know? Right. So it's just interesting. Like, keep that in mind, right? And how to always make it, like, fly under people's noses, too. Right. You know? And speaking of flying under people's noses, Baphomet is often represented with goat horns, but has also been represented in, in the past wearing deer antlers. Or in this case, the horns of the reindeer. 
That's so crazy. And here's what's interesting, right? The Oxford Dictionary states that the devil is also called Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, and in popular rustic speech is known as Old Nick. Old Saint Nick. Wow. The Greek name Nikolaos, which spelled N-I-K-O-L-A-O-S, means the conqueror of the people. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 15, we have the following excerpt. Quote, You also have those who adhere to the teachings of the Nicolites, which teachings I hate. Their teacher, Nicholas, taught them that it is okay to eat food sacrificed to false idols and to commit whoring and to make the children of Israel stumble. Mm. So it's basically like the temptations of the devil, you know, like that's the whole concept. Uh, do you have anything that you want to chip in? Um, well, no, I, I'm, I, I had that. I think I had that same thing quoted too, where yeah. they said to, um, where is it? It says they would commit acts of immorality. Mm -hmm. This is also in Revelation. Um, they would fornicate. They would... Uh, there was the teaching of Balaam, um, a.k.a. Baal. And this is all in that like excerpt about the Nicolites that you were just talking about. Right. So that's pretty crazy. Be wary of the Nicolites. Um, okay, and then in... In the 1600s, a series of plays was developed starring a character known as Robin Goodfellow, who was a half-man, half-goat demon, right? It is revealed in the play that Robin was a medieval name for the devil and that its trademark laugh was ho, ho, ho. What? The trademark laugh of the devil in medieval times was ho, ho, ho. In Scandinavia, the winter festival was Yule. It's called Yule. And in the Chaldean language, Yule means the infant, the child, which refers to the baby Tammuz or Tammuz, which is complicated. And I'm not going to get into it on this episode, but that's a whole other like thing, you know, baby Tammuz. But if you want to Google it, it's um, Tammuz is T-A-M-M-U-Z. And I think you're in for a ride too, like the, the deeper you go. All right, and I'm almost finishing all my notes here, guys. So hopefully you're enjoying these um, factoids <laughs> and these um these little knowledge drops, knowledge bombs. But yeah, like these were all notes that that I just felt the urge to like write down because I was like fascinating. It was just mind blowing. Um, on December 21st, the one-eyed Odin flies through the night on his eight-legged horse, which symbolizes the eight reindeers of Santa Claus. Odin was always represented as this ancient wise man with a long white beard, often portrayed with a pointy Fijian hat, um, similar to the cap that the elves and Santa Claus wear. Um, people feared the wrath of Odin, who would come to take the spirits of the dead. They would leave treats and grain offerings for Odin and to avoid those spirits from harming the residents of those homes. So the spirits would roam freely during this time of year and the worshipers would try to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. Evergreen trees, which are the trees that we use to celebrate Christmas, they would be brought inside of the homes to represent eternal life and the conquering of death because they were the only trees who would not die during the relentless phases of dark winter. Mm. So you would, you know, see this uh, uh, merciless 
winter, you know, like this like dark winter, heavy winter, heavy snow. People would always die during during the the winter, like they would die of sickness and they would die of just poor health and just cold. And you would look outside and all the trees would normally die out, right? Because it's winter, like the leaves fall and all you see is like just branches and death. Yeah. But the only tree that would survive were the trees that we use today as Christmas trees. Yeah, the fir trees, I think they're called too. Yeah, and they would refer to these trees as the evergreen trees because they would cheat death, essentially. Mm. And they were evergreen, so they were always green. Um, and then mistletoes, this is also an interesting thing. So the origins of mistletoes, right? Mistletoes were revered by the Druids since it has no roots in the ground and it was believed to be a gift to humanity by the gods. On the sixth day of the moon, the Druids would cut the sacred mistletoe and priests wearing white gowns would stand underneath those trees and they would capture them using sheets, white sheets to represent purity. The mistletoe was not to be touched and contaminated by human hands. So you couldn't touch it and you had to, you know, catch it with white sheets. Germanics believe, is it Germanics? I guess. I, I don't really know how to pronounce Germanics believed that all who passed beneath the mistletoe were kissed by Freya, the goddess of fertility, and were blessed with sexual powers. Mm. Hence the reason why couples today kiss under the mistletoe. Yeah, and, and in pagan traditions, if you read up on it, they also kissed under the mistletoe and followed that whole like tradition mm -hmm. because during these holidays they often like they often um enacted like uh sexual orgies and whatnot like i was saying before right. and so that was like a little tradition that was developed too yeah, and this also dates back to like Aphrodite, who was the goddess of beauty and sexual drive and 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 prowess. You know, like she was the, mm -hmm. the god that emphasized that, and and so she was usually the goddess who would host the orgies during ancient Greece. Yeah, and then lastly, just concluding, um, it states here that it was during this time of year that the stag and the horned deity would return to the earth, symbolized as pan in the ancient greco-roman pantheon santa is still portrayed as a goblin in scandinavia to this day and to celebrate yule one must deck the halls with boughs of holly and bring evergreens into the home and burn a large log in their fireplace for 12 consecutive days hence the origins of the 12 days of christmas this was done to keep the ancestral spirits who were believed to live in the fire happy and to keep them from harming and cursing the residents of each home the fire was kept burning with offerings of food and sacrifices both human and animal the norse believe that the goddess hertha came down the chimney appeared in the fireplace and brought good luck and fortune to the home so they would leave a treat consisting of milk and pastries to appease this deity hertha who came down the chimney that's crazy so right there like we, like we just covered multiple different cultures sorry if it got a little bit confusing but i just take notes kind of sporadically but you can tell that it's like a similar pattern throughout every single culture, be it Norse mythology, be it right. whatever it is, you know. Essentially, the milk and cookies that we give to Santa Claus is what you just said they yeah. would offer to. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. 
there's too many parallels to like go unseen i did want to mention one thing uh this is in reference to the bible but there's a biblical figure named nimrod and he was the first king of babylon mm. and nimrod translates to the rebel and he was one of god's biggest rebels right mm-hmm. and after his death he was worshipped under the names of baal and beelzebub wow so he's also another he's also considered another devil or right. a devilish figure right and here's something really quick he was represented by a devouring fire to which human children were sacrificed of course it's it's always like like child sacrifices like why is that the case you know and there's an ancient nineveh nineveh i hope i'm saying that right an ancient nineveh which is an ancient city of iraq artifact and this artifact is of the biblical figure nimrod one of the original false gods and this artifact depicts nimrod as a bearded man holding a spotted fawn or deer right mm-hmm. just like reindeer and a fir tree branch so a branch from christmas tree wow. essentially and this is an artifact that exists and his birthday is dated as december 25th Holy. the day that we celebrate christmas and this is is a false god in the bible wow that's literally santa claus that's so crazy and and another interesting thing is that on the anniversary of his birth december 25th nimrod would visit the evergreen tree just like you were referring to before the evergreen tree is the christmas tree mm-hmm. and he would leave gifts upon it every year on his birthday and again this is a devilish figure from the bible and then what's crazy is that if you look at christmas trees you know how people um put like the uh what do you call it the christmas scarf yeah like they 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 wrap it with like a you know with like a decorative thing that's like in the in a swirling shape that literally depicts the snake wrapped around the tree oh the snake of the garden the snake of of the garden of eden holy and that's why whenever you look at christmas trees it has that like gold spiraled you know thing around it and this is an excerpt from the bible that i'm gonna read really quick this is jeremiah chapter 10 or verse i don't know how to how to say this but lines one through five it says people of israel listen to the message that the lord has for you he says do not follow the ways of other nations do not be disturbed by unusual sights in the sky Mm -hmm. like santa claus in the sky even though other nations are terrified the religion of these people is worthless a tree is cut down in the forest it is carved by the tools of the woodworker and decorated with silver and gold literally Mm. describing a christmas tree it is fastened down with nails to keep it from falling over such idols are like scarecrows in a field of melons they cannot speak they have to be carried because they cannot walk do not be afraid of them they can cause you no harm and they can do you no good so this is literally a plain description 
of the of modern tri- Christmas tree. Yeah. Like it's clear as day, this description. There was silver and gold wrapped around, fastened with nails. And, and in the Bible, it's literally telling you, do not worship these idols, yeah. unusual sights in the sky and whatever else. The first thought I had was aliens. Oh, maybe that too. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that, yeah. But then it says... um, God directly refers to it as the way of the heathen. And uh, just as directly he commands his people to learn not the way of the heathen, calling these customs vain. And it's crazy because the whole premise of Christmas is gift giving, right? right? Mm -hmm. Which is super vain if you think about it because it's establishing someone's value based on what they're receiving and what they own, you know? essentially it's it's hyper consumerism that comes from lust and just gluten uh gluttony right Mm -hmm. it's like mass consumption it's like always consuming consuming yeah yeah that's crazy excuse me i'm gonna keep the barp the barps the burps in the barps the burps and farts there was one last thing i wanted to talk about and i just found this interesting but i was reading this guy talk about his experience on something that he watched on TV once. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to point it out. I'm going to just read what he said really quick. But he said, I happened to be watching CNN and they featured a special Christmas display in England called Satan's Grotto, where kids get a free gift of an eyeball or severed finger. This is a real tourist attraction. What? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, the additional chance to sign their life away. Really? CNN said it was all tongue-in-cheek, but the picture of the horned one in a Santa suit was telling. So it's literally the devil dressed in a Santa suit on, on TV being depicted at this like tourist attraction. There is more truth to this tongue-in-cheek caricature of Santa as, uh, Satan as Santa than many would care to admit. The devil is prideful and enjoys revealing what he's involved in. But you have to look very carefully because he continually masks as an angel of light while this character is based solely on lies and deception. So that's what this guy said, right? Yeah. And I just want to go more in depth because I was like, what the hell is this Santa's Grotto? And it's an actual tourist attraction in, in the UK. And it came under fire. So... I saw that it was it, it was running in the early 2000s mm-hmm. up until 2010. I don't know if it's still going on, but it was already like a decade at least of this happening. Before people took notice. Well, I don't know if it's still going on. It could still oh. be going on. I just didn't find anything recently. But this this is a leading tourist attraction. It's called Sansa's Grotto. And it came under fire for this for portraying a hellish Christmas. And it featured elves impaled on spikes at the at the entrance and robins roasting over an open fire. I think robins like the little birds, the little red birds. Mm -hmm. And then this this is in the York, London and Edinburgh dungeons, it's called something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that, Edinburgh or Edinburgh. Edinburgh. And then in the run-up to this to this attraction, uh, visitors are introduced to three dungeons 
and are told to have a horrible Christmas upon entrance, and then they're represented, um, and then they're presented with a scroll to sign away their souls. That's and this nice. is a real attraction. Very nice. And then in the center of the grotto, there's a horned devil on a throne that's replacing Santa. So he's wearing the Santa coat yeah. with the fur trimmed, you know, jacket, but he's horned yeah. and he's literally the devil. And his sleigh and reindeer have been um, ousted in favor of a coffin pulled by skeletons. So instead of a sleigh and reindeer, it's a coffin and skeletons. Death. So the vehicle of death. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say hold on. <laughs> but then um, I'm saying hold on because wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. <laughs> and then children are asked if they have been bad little boys and girls instead of good, and actors will distribute fake severed fingers instead of sweets. What? And people actually took their kids here and. And at their gift shop, they sell pen, uh, pentagrams. Damn, that's like crazy. Like a tea light holder, it says, a pentagram shape one. They have uh, they have a ride, like the drop tower one. Mm -hmm. And and on the like um, advertisement for it, there's like nooses, what? like uh, hanging above the people's heads while they're like dropping on the wow. on the ride. Yeah. And there's a throne with an upside down cross. Yeah, this this to me is just um is just obviously glorifying these like dark occult concepts yeah. and dark satanic concepts rather, and trying to make it more appetizing for the youth and trying to, you know, like have them sympathize with it and then hopefully adopt it by planning this experience in their subconscious. So it's kinda like going to Disneyland, you know, like kids grow up to love Mickey Mouse. So if you just create these experiences that kind of help sell on, on a subconscious right. level the devil and Satanism, then it'll work. Yeah, with like attractions and stuff, you know, right. like rides. And make it fun. Right. Exactly. Yeah, because the, the devil is fun. That's what he is. And and this is what I wanted to say about this. Like I get if it's all fun and games, but it it's lit. there are literally pictures right. where they're mocking quite literally mocking well they're mocking christmas obviously they're doing like a whole spinoff on it but they're also mocking christianity because there's like pictures of popes like looking all dead and it's it's super weird mm -hmm. and people uh people in makeup like dressed as popes and they're doing satanic stuff that's crazy and i just want to play this clip of of this like group singing at one of these things wait, wait, wait. yeah but but is that your like last thing yeah this is the last thing all right so we're gonna play that song to close out the episode okay so you want me to hold it off yeah but but one one final final thing before that then is that at this at this attraction there's a there's a picture that someone took of someone dressed as a pope right mm -hmm. as like a priest and then there's like a banner with the uh, phrase fiat evstitia et periat uh, mundus or something, right? And that... Not a son of this world. What? No, and that that's a Latin phrase that translates to let justice be done, though the world perish. Damn. 
and it's and it's literally it's so weird like this whole event thing is just it's off-putting it, it, it's it unsettling i don't know how this was a functional thing that was going on for however many years and if it's still going on definitely taking my kids but i don't see the fun in this so this <laughs> no. whole episode was just an advertisement for them uh, they reached out to us via email and they said hey could you uh mesh up a interesting conspiracy theory and make it enticing so that people can visit us next year when they go on vacation and we were like yes no we were like give us a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and they did surprisingly they did because the devil has all the monies in the world all the monies monies all the monies all the cash cash money baby cash money baby all right so is that it on your end all right guys so i think we're gonna call it here because it's already an hour and a half almost into the episode well wow. not technically because we have the intro but yeah if you tie everything in together um over an hour episode this was the first back after a month it's the first episode of 2023 by the way which we didn't even mention happy new year happy new year merry christmas that's why we're kind of late on the topics but we figured that christmas <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm start burping in the microphone. Hope Ew. you guys don't think it's disgusting. Um, but these are called coffee burps. That, uh, I get them because I'm an like anxious and I drink coffee. Um, but yeah, so we figured that Christmas is like this timeless topic that it doesn't matter what time of year that we discuss it. I think that it's always relatable because everybody kind of practices and celebrates Christmas. And we actually didn't celebrate Christmas this year no. or last year. We didn't even put up a tree. So like we didn't even do like much gift giving at all because of the whole accident thing and just everything that happened we didn't do any gift giving yeah at all like <laughs> i received the gift from your mom uh which is the conspiracy board game that's behind gabriella yeah and but that was about it like nothing else other than that you know yeah my mom gave me a gift also yeah Thanks, mom. so we didn't celebrate christmas and i think that that was also a sign that we are becoming so enlightened that even subconsciously our subconscious is like you shall not partake in these acts of evil yeah yeah no i i still <laughs> yeah, like yeah. christmas <laughs> i still like christmas guys i still like christmas i'm yeah. sorry if that makes but i like the i don't like the concept of the gift giving okay whatever but i do like the you know the coziness yeah i like the hot chocolate i think that is this look the the main takeaway as long as you are conscious of what goes on in this world you can still partake in certain things to a certain extent mindfully mindfully for the right reasons mm -hmm. so you can celebrate christmas if it means bringing joy to your family bringing joy uh, bringing more unity of family bringing happiness to your kids making them believe in something good and something bigger than themselves then those are all positives but you need to understand the dark origins of everything because everything in human history surprisingly has a very dark origin yeah unfortunately there's like when it comes to santa claus it's not pure and pure joy and pure yeah. light you know? so do your research it is satan being deceptive and, and pretending to be an angel which is what ba baal does yeah baal. and i wanted to say that like if you're still celebrating christmas worried about gift giving yeah, no, that's then, not what Christmas is about. Then, yeah, you are, that is satanic. Like, why <laughs> is, like, why? Yeah. Why is that your priority? You but, know, yeah. Christmas should be celebrated, if celebrated, 
for what you said, you know. For the right reasons. For the right reasons, period. So with that being said, guys, uh, we are going to close out this episode with a song. But before we do, my name is Callie. And I am Gabriella Lopes. And now let's play some music. Let's play. This isn't the song I remember growing up. Wait for this verse. Look. You'll quake at the sight. So yeah, this is played at that little event in London or... That's at the event? Yeah, or UK, whatever. So if you guys want to experience that live, I don't know if they're still doing it, but... Um, if not, you got the full I literally had here. to rebuke the negative energy after hearing that because yeah. I was like, oh, it's infesting me. <laughs> I got chills from that. And I think that that's telling of like my spirit is like kind of... <sighs> kind of like repulsed by it so i it's like, i was i i felt uneasy i was like oh my god it's saying this will be my last christmas like what if they're right yeah and i started getting like you everything, know everything <laughs> everything is spookier it's like either super spooky or it's super empowering when done by a choir and it depends on like the message so like kanye using a choir it gives me chills but it gives me chills for the right reasons you know because it's so like empowering and it sounds beautiful but then you use the choir for something like this yeah and it's just like it's just, it like it gave me chills but for the wrong reasons yeah no good and it's that time of the podcast yeah oh if yeah you know what i mean i also have to pee too actually <laughs> for the first time in the history of the show i actually have to pee it's a tradition every time you listen to this podcast i'm going to have to pee at the end of it you'll probably hear her chair like rocking back and forth it's like i know it's like always like oh that's the sign time to it's go. like it's like when our dog runs to the door because yes. he has to pee and then he'll start barking he'll be like wow i gotta go i need to go i need to go all right guys so peace out hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh <laughs> apologies again for the delay we will try our best to stay more consistent moving forward because we are going to relieve ourselves relieve ourselves from any blockages and any obstacles that are in our way because we will become the way when it comes to creativity and just unleashing ourselves onto the world High five. Just like Satan did. Bye. All right. Bye. Oh, peace to the world. Don't oh, yeah. forget. Don't forget that it's never wrong. To be mentally gone. Peace, peace to, to the, the world. world.